Amen. Let's open our Bible to Isaiah 42, 22. We're just going to be there for just a moment, so don't, don't settle in there. Praise the Lord. says, but this is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves. He's talking, if, he's talking about God's people, how they've just been taken advantage of and stuff. He said, all of them are trapped in caves or are hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey with none to deliver them and a spoil with none to say, give them back. If some of you remember a, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, I, we just had a move of God about restoration, and, and uh, God just did some great things. And I told you that when I was in Texas, um, I had to repent because I was just in a service. That it was, actually, it was like a Sunday school class. It's called discipleship training. And so I just went to that before the service, and they weren't talking about this, but I opened my Bible, and they did... They, pastor did say something about Acts 3, so I had opened my Bible to Acts 3 and saw that, the Bible, that Acts 3.21 talks about the restoration of all things. And I, it just hit me, and I went, God, I want restoration. Now, I needed restoration in my body. But you know what? When God does it, he just does it all. He doesn't pick and choose. And I said, God... There's things I don't even know. How many know that there's things that you don't know you need? You don't know what you don't know. Now, that's heavy, isn't it? <laughs> Write that down. Uh, so I just said, Lord, I am believing you for restoration. First of all, in my body and all my organs. And, uh, and then in any other area, Lord, I'm believing for restoration. Everything the enemy's stolen from me. How many have had the enemy steal things from you? Well, I'm sure you have because that's what he does. I don't, I don't know that he bothered me too much when I was in the world, but uh, he sure has tried to do a lot. But he, he is a defeated foe. But what I had to do that, I've, to, I've told you this on that Sunday, but I went back to my hotel room because I had gone a few days early just because my body, I needed to rest. I couldn't be in meetings like all day long and all night long you know with the way my body was at that time so I went to the hotel that after lunch and I told the pastors don't don't pick me up don't plan anything for me I don't want supper I'm just gonna go to my room I wasn't telling them what I was doing but I was gonna go before God and get some things straight and I repented this is what I repented of I repented because I'd gotten used to being sick. How many know you can get used to it? You just get used to it. And I was, I was saying the right things. I was listening to the right, you know, healing scriptures. I was saying the same things. But I was also saying, I hurt. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have any energy. I was saying, I was saying the right things with the wrong things, too. And I'd gotten used to it. See, when you, when you know the power of your words, then it, it hits you every time you say something like that. You go, that's not right. But if you get by with it, 
And this is, I said to, I called, I actually, I text all my kids, and I said, I'm saying this, because you need to be accountable to people, right? So I'm telling you this. I have restoration of all things. I've repented. I will not be the sick person. It was almost like every time someone called, how are you doing? I would tell them. <laughs> you know, thank God that he's merciful and he's gracious. But that's not how, I mean, people that have known me, that's not how I've lived my life. That's not how God has kept me out of the grave for all these years. Is that right, Rhonda? She's walked through me with things that should have, should have taken me out, right? And several times. And that's not how I live my life. Did you ever know me to do that? No. It was only in the last like year and a half that I just started getting really lazy, scriptural. So... I'm not preaching this tonight because God preached it to me. You know, he got onto me, so I'm going to get onto you. That's not how it's. But as I was seeking the Lord, this, I just felt like the Lord said that he, he moved that Sunday morning supernaturally, but you need some word to hold on to that. How, you know how that is? Sometimes when you get healed in a healing crusade or a healing meeting, whatever, if you don't have the word of God to stand on, you're probably going to lose that healing. Not, it's not God's will. But you don't have... It, we've got to base everything on the Word of God, not how we feel, not if we fell down or if we didn't fall down, or not if we got chill bumps or, you know... It's not a flesh work. It's a thing of the Spirit. So I wanted to give you some scriptures. And so he said, They have become a prey with none to deliver them and a spool with none to say, now the King James says, with none to say, restore, restore. I like New American Standard because it puts it in just really in our face, and he says, nobody says, give them back. You know, God has put us here to see to it that we're the ones that are saying, give them back. Give them back. If you've got children that aren't serving the Lord right now, you need to be declaring to the enemy, give them back. They don't belong. Read your scriptures. Read in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. The curse is that your children will serve other gods, that they will go to the enemy's camp. But what does Galatians 3 say? It says that we've been redeemed from the curse. Let's just look at that right now. Let's go to Galatians 3 real quick. Because this is, this is vital that you know this, that we are redeemed from the curse. We're redeemed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So if you want to know where the curse of the law is, it's in Deuteronomy 28. It's also in other places in Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy 27, those are things... But he says, redeemed us from the curse of law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. Remember God called Abraham blessed? Remember when God made the covenant with Abraham? Remember how he cut those animals in half? And he, he made the blood and, and the animals into a figure eight. 
And the Bible talks about he walked with Abram and they walked and made blood covenant. They made blood covenant. And God is a covenant-keeping God. He's made covenant with you. He won't break his covenant. So he says, in order that the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. See, Gentiles had no right. Most of us are not of Jewish uh, descent, right? There might be some, but you have some in you. But most of us would be called Gentiles. Gentiles had no covenant with God. And until Jesus came, we, they couldn't partake of it. But remember the first Gentile that got saved? Who knows who that was? Cornelius, Acts 10. Remember? Peter, who was the greatest Jew at the time. It's like he was Mr. Jew. He was in another place. He was up on top on the roof where it was cool while they were cooking lunch. And, and the Lord sent down a sheet filled with all these things they couldn't eat. For a southern girl, it was all the things southern people eat. <laughs> Crawfish, catfish, <laughs> things that aren't, aren't in the covenant, like uh, weren't under the law. They were against God's law. But God said, he told him to kill and eat. And what did Peter say? No, Lord. <laughs> you really can't say no, Lord. Did you know that? That's kind of like an oxymoron. You can't, if he's Lord, you can't say no. But how many of us have said no, Lord? <laughs> so Peter said it, but why was God sending Peter to Cornelius' house? The Bible says in Acts 10 that Peter, that Cornelius was, I mean, he, he wasn't of the Jewish race, he, uh, but it says that he gave alms. In other words, he gave money to the synagogue, the Bible says that God said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up before me as a memorial. Isn't that something? God let a Gentile have a memorial in heaven before he was even saved. That is amazing. I mean, you might not think that's so big a deal, but that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And so he did that, and so God... Cornelius wanted more of God, so God sent Peter. And Peter preached. But before Peter could even get through preaching, now Cornelius had gathered his family, all his servants, everybody in his house. Before he could finish his sermon, God moved. You know, some, some preachers just don't like it when the Holy Ghost moves and they can't, can't preach. But, uh, I mean, we had a great service Sunday we, you know, it was wonderful. But I, I, several of my friends that are preachers were put on Facebook, well, we had a great service. It was like the, God was moving in many churches Sunday by the Spirit. And, and several of them said, I didn't even get to preach. <laughs> I remember my mother said one time, it's so wonderful when the Holy Spirit moves and the preacher can't preach. I said, wait just a minute. It's good when the Holy Spirit moves, but we need the Word of God, so there is a balance, amen? You can't just live on the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit and the Word, amen? So praise the Lord. I'm glad that uh, that, that happened at Cornelius' house. 
Peter didn't get all upset. I don't think Peter understood everything. But God, God introduced the Gentiles because Jesus died so that we could be grafted in. Jesus died so that we could have covenant. We didn't, we didn't deserve covenant, but he died for us to do it. So this says that that's the blessing of Abraham might come on us, the Gentiles, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so we understand that we have a covenant that says that our children, I was using that as an example, kind of went way off there, but our children, we have a covenant with God that they will come back. So if you're believing God for children, but you know what? I used to be in meetings and I would think, why are they always saying children? Because this is before I, I wasn't even married. Then I'd think, why are they always saying, you know, believe for your children? I'm believing for my parent. <laughs> I, I'm believing for my mama to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? <laughs> and she did, and she got just as wild as the rest of us. So praise the Lord, whatever, whoever you're believing for, there's a, there's a promise in Deuteronomy. We are redeemed from the curse. Can you say that? I'm redeemed from the curse. And if you want to know what the curse is, you can read it. It, I mean, it's got some ugly stuff. (laughs) But then I love it because God just says that everything is not even in here. (laughs) You know, there's diseases now that they didn't have back when Deuteronomy was written. We're still redeemed. I don't care if they come up with a new flu this season. We're redeemed. We're redeemed. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, God said that we're supposed to call them back. Call, you know, if Satan has robbed you of finances, you can call that back. Proverbs, there's, there's a scripture in Proverbs um, uh, 6.31 that says, if you catch a thief, you make him pay seven times. Amen? Who's the thief, according to John 10, 10? Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So who's the thief? Satan's a thief, right? It's, you know what? People aren't your enemy. Isn't that what the scripture says? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the dark places. People are not our enemy, and you'll be so free when you can understand that people aren't your problem. Amen? People are, it's, it's evil spirits that are operating in people. So you've got to have compassion on them and believe God they get set free. Amen? They need to, need to be set free. I, I needed to be set free. Praise the Lord. So we go to Acts 3. And we talk about the lame man. Peter and John, you know, they were going along and, and uh, they saw a lame man. Now, he had probably been there when Jesus was walking around there. But this time, something changed. And he was asking for alms. You know, the joke that says he asked for alms. He asked for alms and he got legs. <laughs> he was asking for alms. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. So some people have taken that way over in the ditch and said, see, they didn't have any money. We're not supposed to have any money. 
I don't know about you, but we've been on the mission field for a long time. You just don't take your money with you when you're in the village or when you're in the barrios or whatever. You don't, you don't do that. Uh, you don't go. So a lot of times you're saying the honest truth. I don't have any money. And today with the cards, you know, I, I had to teach my children, can you just at least have some cash? Because they just never had cash. Like, never. Just, it's old-fashioned, I know, but can you just put $10 in your wallet just for my sake? Why? We have a debit card. I know. But they said, such as we have, give I thee. Right? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What did the word say? say? It said he went walking and leaping and praising God. And how many know that if you have been born lame and you've been lame for 40 years, even if God healed you, he would have to do something in your muscles. Right? Your legs would not hold you up. Those muscles would not be developed. You would just fall. When I broke my, my back and I was paralyzed from the waist down, even though God healed me, and I kept saying, I'm coming out of this hospital, walking and leaping and praising God, and I did. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't real enthusiastic because it took a while for me to get strength back in my legs. But I did walk out when they said that wouldn't happen. How many know God's got a better word? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is what we see is that that man got up and he walked and he leapt and he praised the Lord. So what happened? What he didn't have for 40 years in one moment of time, God gave it back. And as I said a couple of Sundays ago, when God restores, he doesn't put back an original. He puts better. For instance, when God healed me, <laughs> we went back to Loon Lake. And I, how many remember those IBM Selectric, uh, Selectra, Electra, whatever they were, big old typewriters, you know? They were big old heavy things. And so <laughs> we, we were... I, had one there, and we were bringing it back to Lloyd Minster and coming out of the house. Well, I just went in and grabbed a hold of it, and I was taking it, and David went, Brownie, Brownie, you're not supposed to lift those kind of things. And he meant, like, ever, like, that's a man's job. You're not supposed to lift that. And I went, why? He went, you couldn't have done that two weeks ago. Well, praise the Lord. What God does, he does it better. My back was stronger than it ever was. So God restores better. Amen? Amen? God restores, not back to original, but back better. Who else did he restore? Look about Lazarus. Pastor Jonathan brought this up Sunday. <laughs> We're not going to get graphic, but when someone's been dead and not embalmed, and they've been dead, this is the fourth day, your body is doing some stuff. Your organs are doing some stuff. So God had to restore those things, didn't he? he I, you know, I told the Lord when I was down in Texas, I said, Lord, I, I believe you uh, for, you know, you to 
fix my organs. I want them brand new. I want new stuff. I don't care if you send an angel, put it in. I don't care if you fix these and make them better than ever. I don't care. But I did say, God, can I just, I said, can I see an angel do it? Can I see an angel put, because there's a girl that is in Texarkana, a young 16-year-old, that they, she was up for a liver transplant, and uh, she went up for prayer there at Brother Tracy's church, and that night, she, uh, and she wasn't even a real strong believer. Her mama was, but she was just kind of like along for the ride. And uh, that night, she said, okay, God, they said I was healed, so I, I just want to see something. She woke up, and there was two angels at the end of her bed, and they walked to the side of her bed, and one said he had a liver in his hand, and he said, I've come to bring you your liver. And he went, shoop, like this, and put it in her. They went and checked it out, and they took her back to the Little Rock to where the transplant team was. The doctor said, you have, a, you have a new liver. She got a transplant, just not the way they thought. So I said to the Lord, you can do that for me. I don't care. Whatever you I kind of like, I think that's pretty cool. You know what? I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. And I'm still fighting a good fight of faith. But that doesn't change. I still believe that God has a manifestation. And But God said to me when I said that, you know what? Have you ever heard God laugh at you? He laughs at me all the time. He laughed. And he, it's like I just, I just knew what he was saying. He said, you're too big to be asking for stuff like that. You're right. I take it by faith. Amen? He doesn't care if you ask. And sometimes he'll give it to you. I'm not telling you not to ask. I'm just saying what he said to me. That doesn't have to apply to you at all. Just for me. Okay? So the lame man got healed, right? Lazarus got healed. God had to do a whole... That's a whole story. But Lazarus... You know what? I've been to Lazarus' tomb. I've gone down in and he's not there. He went on to evangelize in other parts of, of Europe. He went over... He did that. He went other places, Right? He didn't, st he didn't even stay in Bethany. He went. Well, he had to have a pretty good body to do that. He didn't live sick all his life. God, when God restored, he restored better than ever. Amen. How about the woman with the issue of blood? She'd had that for 12 years. Spent all her money on doctors. They couldn't help her. What did God do in one moment? He restored her. Amen. Amen. Not just healed her, but restored her. What about Jairus' daughter who was dead? What did God do? He brought her back to life, and he restored her. He restored her to her family. But you know what? I don't think she'd been dead long because they had come and told Jairus that she just died. Somebody said, well, you know what? You can raise the dead if they've just died. Ha! <laughs> You, as long as they're warm, you can do that, right? If they get cold, just forget it. No, it has to be God. It has to be God. <laughs> but we don't have a covenant of raising the dead. Do you understand? We have a covenant of healing. So it's a work of a miracle when God tells us. God doesn't want us to go to the funeral home. When I got saved, I thought, well, why aren't we going to the funeral home? 
clean them out. It's good to have faith like that. That's good. It's not bad. It's just not a lot of wisdom. But I'm thinking, well, Jesus said, the works I do you shall do and greater works than these. Jesus raised the dead. I'm going to raise the dead. I had to learn that you got to do that by the command of the Spirit. See, things, certain things are covenant, and certain things is a command of the Spirit. Amen? And so people are getting raised from the dead. But you got to hear from God, amen? Or you're going to cause some people to just think you're loony, and they're going to think you're God's loony. So listen to God. Hallelujah. But let's look at Acts 3. Let's go there. We, I've already told you the story, so we're not going to have to read all this. I know Pastor Jonathan's been getting you out like 8.15, 8.20. That's like a devotion for me, okay? So He asked me to preach, not give a devotion. So You'll be here a little bit longer, but we'll try to not be real long. Acts 3, it talks about the lame man. He got healed. Amen. Thank God for it. So, uh, verse 20, let's go there. No, let's go to... Um, 18, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that as Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. See, now, this is written after Jesus has already died on the cross. Therefore, repent and return. Does anybody have Ben Campbell Johnson's, uh, that verse written down in your Bible? It's written in my other Bible, but Brent and I looked and we couldn't find it on uh, on the internet. It's highly copyrighted. But if you anybody familiar with Ben Campbell Johnson's, it's a, if you have an opportunity, they're hard to find. You can get them on Amazon. But he has the writings of Paul. He has Matthew and Mark. He has Luke and John. And it, he just it's just uh, really good the way he puts things. But uh, this one's one of the good ones. But it says in our New American Standard, it says, therefore, when you see a therefore, what do you do? See what it's there for. It's there because he said, the prophets of old spoke of this, right? Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Aren't you glad on Wednesday night, most of us have worked all day, Aren't you glad that times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord? And aren't you glad we can come into the presence of the Lord without sin, without guilt, without condemnation? Amen. So that he, and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. That's what we want to get to is that Verse 20, it says that he may send Jesus. So he's talking about the prophets had to tell it. Do you know what? You have to speak it before you can send it. You understand? You speak the word, then you send it. Or you send it as you speak it. So the prophets talked about it so that God could send Jesus. That's how God works. Remember one scripture says that, that God doesn't do anything unless he tells his prophets first. Praise the Lord. There's still prophets today, thank God. There's also people that say they're prophets and they're not. So you have to have discerning of spirits. Okay, but let's go on. It says, in, in whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things. 
See, that God has a time to restore all things. Now, we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? We know that this heaven, this earth is going to pass away. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's, it talks about the lion is going to lay down with the lamb and that children will play with vipers and, you know, those kind of things. That, that's a restoration. You don't want to do that even in the new, new... Oh, well, you won't. You will. I don't either, but praise the Lord. That's a restoration of all things. But God is, I believe, saying that in today, as believers, if we'll use our faith, if we'll use the word of God... He will restore everything that the enemies tried to take from us. Amen? It might be your health. It might be your money. It might be your relationships. It might be whatever. Anything that has been stolen from you that is, is God's will that you have. Now, you've got to tag that because some people, you know, <laughs> when I first got saved, they told us that you have to, you have to claim a boyfriend or a husband. So the single girls would just watch for the men to come in. And they go, I claim him. In the name of Jesus, I claim him. Now, I was a baby Christian, but I'm going, I don't think that's right. I think he gets to say something about it. Oh, no, no, no. I claim him in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood. I claim him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I say that didn't work out very well? No. So the restoration of all things, that, and things that God has stolen from you, like I think about, um, I say God has stolen, God didn't steal anything. The things that the enemy stolen from you. When I had a revelation of this, I, I just got mad because I thought about my daddy who died when I, I was young and, I thought about how my daddy wanted to get healed. But we didn't know. We didn't know what you and I know now. So my daddy was reading all kinds. He would read psychic books. He'd read the Mormon books. He'd read everything, trying to find, because he had a sense that he could be healed. But he didn't know anything. The Christians also said, no. You have to pray if it be thy will. See, it's okay to pray, pray if it be thy will, if it's not written in the book. But if it's written in the book, then that is his will. Amen? But how he does it is his business. Right? Sometimes you get instant miracles, whether of anything. I'm not talking just about healing. You get instant miracles. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes God uses uh, different avenues to heal you. It's okay just so you get healed. Or it's okay just so that your finances. You know, God's got ways that you can't figure out, you know. When we were first in Loon Lake and we didn't have any money, we would go, in Loon Lake, you went to the post office to get your mail. We would go to the post office praying like, Jesus, please have money. And that was what, way before PayPal and all this. Oh, Jesus, please. We, we don't have any money. We'd go and we'd open and it'd be nothing. So one day, David came back from the post office and he's laughing I said, why are you laughing? And he said, guess what God just said to me? And I said, what? He said, God said, David, I don't live in the mailbox. <laughs> we kind of thought he did. Because we put that, it's got to come through the mail. God had ways. We didn't, you know what? 
The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. You know what? We never had to beg for bread. We were never forsaken. We never starved. Isn't God good? You might not have a paycheck, but God can provide for you. Praise the Lord. Amen? So we see that God says the restoration of all things. Like I said, for me, I had to get that and not limit God. I, don't, I, mean, I can't limit God. If he wants to restore things that I've even forgot about, he can do that. I'm believing God for everything that's gonna, that, that Satan has stolen from our body of believers here to be restored to you. Amen? Everything he's stolen from our ministry. Oh, man, there's just been things that have happened. It's not right. God. See, again, we're not wrestling against people. This is, we have an enemy, amen? But we win. We have authority, amen? So Joel, verse 2, or chapter 2, talks about, you know, it talks about the locusts and the worms. You, you remember that, right? Yes. Joel 2, verse 23, says, So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication. And he has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before, the threshing floors will be full of grain. Do you know what that means? No lack. And the vats will overflow with the new wine and oil. Do you remember the widow that had no, she just had enough uh, grain and, and oil to make one cake for her and her son. They were going to eat it and die. Here's the scripture being fulfilled, right? In her life. Because when she gave it to the man of God, God just provided supernaturally, kept providing. I, I teach this to widows when I go to places that the key to a widow, you know, God says that we're, true religion is to take care of widows and the fatherless and the orphans, right? So as a church, we do that. We, we make sure that, you know, we, we try to take care of our widows, and our fatherless. But I say to the widows, you want to live without worrying about where your next meal come from, without worrying about what you're going to do? Here's the key. Give to God's men and women. I've done it from the moment I became a widow. I saw that scripture and went, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And it, I have lacked nothing. God's taken great care of me. Amen? So you, you do it God's way. So he says, let's go back. Then I will make up to you. Isn't that give back, right? Isn't that restore? Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. I didn't even know there was that many locusts. <laughs> I think the creeping one's just enough, right? The creeping, the stripping, and the gnawing locust. My great army which I sent among you. You will, listen to this, you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. You know what the enemy's trying to shame Christians today by social media because some Christians are doing really stupid things and they're well known and they're trying to shame us all. Jesus bore our shame. You're not supposed to carry shame. So if you've, if you've sinned, 
What does the Bible say? You have an advocate with the Father that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, right? So praise the Lord. We are delivered from shame. And this is what God says. He said, my people will not ever be put to shame. If you have shame coming on you, let me tell you, you, you need to examine why that is. If you need to repent of something, repent. It's easy. You know, one, one older uh, ministry lady taught me years ago. She said, here's the key. She's talking about marriage. She said, here's the key. This is a key for sin. Admit it and quit it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Admit it and quit it. Praise the Lord. So that's what God is saying, that we turn, and he, he says, what did he say? I will make up to you the years. Hallelujah. And have anybody of you, like myself, have you looked at pictures when you were living in sin and then pictures when you're living for Jesus? Anybody found that you look a lot older when you're living in sin? Like you look old. You get born again? He makes you new, right? That's what he makes up the years. I don't know how he does it. It's, I don't want to have to try to figure it out. He just does it. Amen? He makes up the years. When God told, asked David and I, will you go to Lloyd Minster and will you, I'm asking you for a favor, will you start a church? He said, it's going to cost you greatly, but I will repay. You know, it did cost us greatly. And then when David went to heaven, I looked up to heaven and said, Jesus, this is a greater cost than I thought you were requiring. Jesus didn't kill David, by the way. But God knew things were going to happen. God knows. God knew. But he said, I will repay. I will reward. Amen? So I just said, I just hang on to that, Lord. You will repay. You will reward. And I look at my kids I see them serving God, the things they're doing for God. Hey, that's reward. Isn't that reward? Isn't that payment? Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what do we know? What, what happened to the man that was lame? They said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he got it, right? What happened to Lazarus? It says that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, if he hadn't said Lazarus' name, everybody would have come out of those tombs. That would have been a mess. <laughs> but it would have been a great miracle. When Jesus died, didn't they come out of the graves? And here's the cool thing. You know, I don't understand people that don't want to come to church. When Jesus was on the cross and died on the cross, they came out of the graves. Where did they go? They went in the streets and then they went to church. Dead people get up and go to church. Ah. Okay. That will preach. But what, what I'm trying to say is one word from God can change your life. You don't, have to have, you don't have to have God write a book for you. If you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he can change your destiny with one word. When God told me, I want you to go to Fort Worth and I want you to work for my, my man. I didn't know who the man was. 
I didn't know what the ministry was. I wasn't interested in working for a ministry. I, I, was, I had a degree in data uh, sciences. I wanted to make a lot of money. I'd been poor all my life. Wanted to make a lot of money. And as far as I knew, preachers didn't make a whole bunch of money. So that wasn't on my list of occupations. But God had a better plan. Amen? So when he said that, that one word changed my whole destiny. And I'm so glad that he, he was so gracious to give me that word. But you'll never hear that one word if you don't set yourself up to hear. Amen? If you've got televisions going and, and things going all the time, how can you hear God? Amen? So you have to set yourself to hear. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 18, we're going to close with this. How can we get restoration? Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. If authority has been given to us, our response is what? Go, therefore. See, so you have a word from God, and you have an action. Isn't that right? Every action has a reaction, right? So God gives a word. God gives a command. He says, I give you authority. We didn't get the authority so that we and our family, our, us four and no more, can be blessed. We got it to change our world. Amen? We, we, at our prayer time on Monday night, we, we were praying over the things that, you know, that have been making the news and the... We, that we could lose our focus on about in Lloydminster. But God gave me three scriptures as we were praying. He gave me, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. He gave me Matthew uh, 5 where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are, you're not, a, you're not you're, you don't have light, you are light. Remember he talks about don't hide your light under a bushel. But let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your Father. Amen? So we talked about if sin abounds, which it seems to be abounding in our city, then grace has got to much more abound. What's better? What's greater? Sin or grace? Grace. What's, what's better? Darkness or light? Light. What does light do? Penetrates darkness. Amen? So we're... We turn our thought, we turn our soulish realm, we even turn our spirits to say, we're not going to go around and just be, oh man, and gripe about our city. God put us here. You're here on purpose. I look around, there's people from all over the world here. Amen? We're, we come from every tribe that talk, the Bible talks about on that day, every tribe, every tongue. We're from all kinds of tribes and tongues. But amen, we're here on purpose for a purpose. What was that third scripture God gave us? Let's see. Um, where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. Uh, you are light. Uh, oh, Isaiah said that, he said, I set you as watchmen on the wall that day and night you will not leave your, basically leave your post. And so we are to be watchmen for our city. Instead of getting on Facebook and saying how horrible the city is, how it's going down the drain, da-da-da-da-da. You know what? 
get on this line. Get face with Jesus. Face to face with Jesus. And declare, no, in this city and in this region, grace much more abounds. And actually, we, we just, as we were praying about it, uh, uh, we just discussed how this is an indicator that people need Jesus. If you can't see that, that marriages need Jesus, that the norm is not normal. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to remind you tonight that God wants to restore. He wants to restore you. Some of you remember the scripture that uh, uh, David, uh, David cried out to the Lord and he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Have you ever had to... Cry that out to the Lord. I have. I have because I've gotten into the business of being a Christian. Do you know what? You can just be in the business of being a Christian. And you lose your joy. I love the the book that Brother Savell wrote. That if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. Satan is out to steal your joy. And that's one thing I realized when I was in Texas and repented. I realized... He'd stolen my joy because I just didn't feel good. And you know what? You get people around you that are used to kind of babying you about it. (laughs) So I had to announce to all my comforters, don't comfort me. Get on my case. Tell me. Speak the word. Amen? They haven't had to do that, praise the Lord, because, you know, I, I really did. Get right with God. But praise God, I'm telling you, God wants everything that you have lost to be restored. And I know that we did, you know, we had a great move of God that morning. And uh, God spoke some great things to people. But maybe as you've gone on, and we've had a couple of weeks, God's just reminding you of some stuff. And you're saying, you know what, I want that restored. I want that restored. I like when Jesus said in the scriptures, he was quoting the Old Testament, and he said, I lead justice to victory. You don't have to lead justice to victory. Jesus said, I lead it. There's been times when David and I were slandered. We were, I mean, the whole, we had a, there was a nationwide campaign against us at one time. They wrote letters to preachers all over and said that we got, you know, Thousands of dollars were, you know, coming into our hands. And, and uh, it was just crazy stuff. They didn't know that at that time, literally, we were in Loon Lake. And I'm begging David, please let me go get a job. We have babies that need, they need milk, please. And he would say, Brownie, if anybody's going to go out in the world and get a job, it would be me. You stay home and take care of these babies. And he said, but God keeps telling me, no, we've just got to. My job is to preach the gospel. That's what I'm going to do. And I was begging him, begging him, please. We didn't know that letters had been written, but, you know, like down the line, probably next year, a preacher took us out to lunch in Saskatoon. 
And he said, you know, over a year ago, God spoke to me and told me and my church to start supporting your missionary work there in the north. We said, oh, really? Because <laughs> we, we knew we didn't get it. <laughs> and we said, oh, really? And he said, but I have to repent because I got a letter that said you guys get, and they named a big sum that we got from a major ministry that he takes real good care of you. The thing they didn't know is even he, and it was a spiritual thing because even that, that ministry had dried up too. But, I mean, he wasn't, we weren't getting thousands anyway, but hallelujah, we were thankful for what we got. But uh, he said, I repent. He said, I'd like to, you know, give you that now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Paid for lunch that day in hotels. But this is what I'm saying is we stayed on that scripture, Jesus you lead justice to victory. We know the truth. We know what they're saying is not true. And every one of you have had people say things that aren't true about you. Everyone. If you haven't, you will. But here's the thing is, you find out what Jesus says about you. And you hold on to that. Amen? Because what he says is true. And everything else has to go filter through this. Amen? So praise the Lord, I'm believing with you for restoration. Let's stand up. And I want you, I, I know that God's been talking to you. But I want you to get a hope in you. Y'all have been pretty sober tonight. But hopefully this is just going in your heart and you're thinking. You're getting it in you. But I want you to know that we stand with you for restoration. God has restored things to us. There's still some things we're believing God for. But I'm telling you, I don't care if it takes days, months, or years. God's word is true. And the enemy is a liar. Amen. God is not out to steal or kill or destroy. That's not his job. His job is to give us life and that more abundantly. Amen.